Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You can feel the passion, the emotion. And Dortmund against all the odds, our European champions. All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the new Borussia Dortmund podcast, Believe in Borussia, here on this wonderful Believe podcast network. This is our very first episode, so welcome. Thank you for tuning in. And without further ado, let's get right into it. So, what are we going to do today? Well, we'll take a quick look back at some of the last matches and also look at the fixtures lying ahead. And we're going to talk about music. Yeah, that's right, music. We'll have a listen to some of the most iconic and important BVB songs. Now, you might wonder, why are we talking about music and not, say, the latest Erding Haaland transfer chatter? Hmm. Well, if you found this dedicated BVB podcast, chances are you are able to find the latest BVB results and read a stat sheet, and you already get flooded with those daily transfer rumors and news. So... In this podcast bit to bring you a little closer to the club and its culture, we'll dive into a topic that actually often creates some confusion even among longtime fans, and that is the BVB Club Anthem. Now, before we get further into it, let me tell you a few things about myself. I'm a Berlin transplant living in Brooklyn. I'm a BVB club member, a shareholder. I founded a fan club here in New York, and I'm a lifelong aficionado of the Borussia Dortmund club. Um, my first explicit memory was probably the 1993 UEFA Cup final, and I officially adopted Borussia Dortmund as my team in 1994, when I got my first scarf. Now, let me explain why that meant so much. See, I'm not from Dortmund, so I didn't have a family member or a grandpa that, you know, took me to the stadium or sat me down for the games and force-fed me Borussia Dortmund. Um, so like many of you, I found my way through, you know, different means to the club. I think here in the US, for example, there are many that started following Christian Pulisic and then figured, hey, this club is actually pretty cool, not just a player. Or it started with you picking Borussia Dortmund as your favorite FIFA team or just liking the crest. So for me, it was that UEFA Cup final and the fans. And once I had Borussia Dortmund as this little seed planted in my head, it grew. And then in 1994, it became time to choose because back then in elementary school, you had to have a soccer team scarf. So you had to pick a team and then you had to defend it against all the other teams. You had to defend that crest, that color. Well, my team was Borussia Dortmund and I gotta say I got really lucky because the following season we became German champions the first time in 32 years and Dortmund was the... And then the following year we followed it up with another title and then in 1997 we won the Champions League. So a very good time to become a Dortmund fan indeed. And in 1997, I also attended my first live match. And many have followed ever since all across Germany and Europe. I was hooked from day one. And I was fascinated by the fighting spirit and the resilient pride. And it was just embodied by these passionate fans. And that's what made Dortmund special to me.
Borussia Dortmund, supporting it seemed was as much a privilege as a responsibility. You know, you had to live up to the name through crazy levels of commitment, uh, bringing deafening noise in the stands and having sold-out stadiums away and home wherever the black and yellow caravan moves. So you want to support the best club? You had to bring your A-game. You're putting on that legendary black and yellow shirt? Well, you better leave it all on the pitch. We may not always win, but we'll always give it our best. Now, that was something that made a whole lot of sense to me 30 years ago, and it still does. So I watched a Sevilla game at Banter Bar in Brooklyn, my favorite soccer bar in New York City, and I talked with a fellow patron, you know, pre-game about how we miss fans and how it is so different and all that. And then he's like, yeah, you never walk alone. That's so amazing. But it's kind of odd that you have an English club anthem. Now, hold on a second. You Never Walk Alone is not, I repeat, it's not Borussia Dortmund's club anthem. Now, you may have heard similar claims or even got some flack for it from other fans for, or even Liverpool fans for being so unoriginal and stealing their anthem, which I find quite ironic, considering that they also simply adapted a song that played in the charts and was on in the stadium pre-game and people just like to sing along. So, granted, it's a Liverpoolian band, and it's a great tune, don't get me wrong, I love the song as well. But it's not the most original song either now, is it? Well, Borussia Dortmund actually has an original song as its club anthem. Well, they kind of actually have two. Now you're even more confused? Let's break it down. So first, there's Heia BVB, and then we have Wir halten fest und treu zusammen. Wir halten fest und treu zusammen, We Stand Together Firm and Loyal, was commissioned for the 25th birthday of Borussia Dortmund in 1934, so the song is actually 86 years old. Incredible. The melody is based on two military marches. First, uh, Der Kaisermarsch, Hip Hip Hurra, uh, composed by Georg Kunot in the year 1892. And that's most of actually the musical component of it. The former BVB director Heinrich Kersten authored the lyrics. And why did he choose a march? Well, the idea was to compose something people could easily catch on to and sing along. In particular, the majority male soccer audience. So many club songs were based on existing popular melodies. And a lot of the popular melodies were marches thanks to, I guess, Germany's militaristic history. However, the most recognizable part is the grand finale, which is based on the Agonawald lead. Song of the Forest of the Argon, or also known as Lied der Pioniere, Song of the Pioneers. The origins of this passage stem from a very difficult and devastating time, not just for Borussia Dortmund, but all of Europe and the world. Now let me draw you a picture and tell you why the circumstances of how this came together are so remarkable. It is 1915, maybe 1940, but probably more 1915, 1916. 
the First World War, the Great War, rages all over the world, but particularly in Europe. Front lines are filled with young men that started out with high hopes and promises of victory and glory for their country in battle. And then you end up at the Western Front and reality hits and it's very different. There's no glory, there's no mano a mano battle, there's only the invisible enemy, mortar fire, chemical weapons, hunger, illnesses, reds, mud, and certainly no swift victory, there's nothing swift. Weeks and months you're battling over a few hundred feet at best of wasteland, absolute wasteland, destroyed by fire, chemical warfare, and the mortar shells. Imagine it's 1914 and one day you're playing with your boys at the park and then a month later you're stuck in hell. There were probably 30 to 50 BVB members drafted into the wall. After all, young athletic men were great soldier material. Now BVB founding father Franz Jacobi was able to stay on the home front because he was a steel mill clerk and therefore he was important to the war effort. His response to the hardships of the war laid the foundation to what would essentially become the Borussia Dortmund family. The board of the club organized support for the families and relatives of the fighting teammates back in Dortmund. They organized food runs. Um, they helped with organizing everyday life without, you know, a husband, father, the breadwinner, like providing childcare or helping with repairs in the house. And Franz Jacobi also wrote each and every member at the front a letter every single month. Now one of these fellow founding members that got a monthly letter was Heinrich Unger. And the care and the community he felt from Borussia Dortmund all the way at the Western Front while facing death and devastation all around him made him recaption the sad pioneer song about the Argonne Forest in France with the lines But there's one thing that shall remain. Borussia Dortmund will never go under. The melody and lyrics eventually made it into the official club anthem Wir halten fest und treu zusammen. And it is still heard at every home match and it is sung at every official club gathering. Equally remarkable is our second song, Heya BVB or Heya B4B, and the story how it came to life. Now let's take a quick listen. It loosely translates to Let's Go BVB. Heya is Swedish and it was likely adopted during the 1958 World Cup by German traveling fans and brought back to Dortmund as well. The song still sounds pretty old school in my ears, but it's actually much newer. Nevertheless, I would consider it an historic tune. Uh, Karl-Heinz Bandosch composed the song in 1976, and it's been with Borussia Dortmund ever since. In fact, it's the song that's played directly before kickoff at every home match, and fans are belting the song 
at kickoff during away games. It's probably because of this position in the pregame ritual that many fans believe this is the actual official club anthem. But as we just learned, that honor belongs to Wir halten fest und treu zusammen. Now the whole story about Heia BVB is such a fascinating account of how fan culture evolves and comes together. Bandosh himself wasn't much of a fan, but he was a diehard singer and entertainer. He realized the potential of a good Schlager for soccer fans. Now Schlager is a very cheesy, simple melody pop tune genre in Germany that's very popular and... It appeals sort of to the masses with a simplistic melody and hook. So you can, you know, bob along to it when you're on vacation or in the stadium, for example. So he composed Heia BVB. And with the help of BVB's press secretary of the time, Gerd Kolbe, he got to perform it in front of the Südtribüne, aka Southstand or what is today's Yellow Wall. When the fans immediately took the song in and repeated a catchy chorus after hearing it only one or two times, everyone knew they were onto something. And so he recorded a version with a proper choir and the team and coach Otto Riagel and all that jazz that they did in the 70s. And the rest is history. Bandesch died in 2014, aged 79, but his song still lives on and is probably the most popular of the old tunes in the BBB song repertoire. Well, now you might ask, what about You Never Walk Alone? That's played at every BVB match. But that didn't happen until the mid-90s when the club commissioned a recording of a new version of the hit from Gary and the Pacemakers, which is the version that is still played today at Borussia Dortmund. When you walk through a storm. Now why and how the song got to Germany and into the Westfalen Stadion at the end is the story for another podcast. For now, let me just leave you with the knowledge about the BVB official club anthem and its origins. So, now that you got your history and trivia fix on, let's take a look back at the weekend's game. And it was a quite disappointing result and a disappointing performance. A 2-2 tie against Cologne is definitely not what we had in mind and not what we need to get back into the top four. Haaland, obviously, you know, he's been Haaland and he keeps on scoring at an incredible rate. But we rely too much on individual strokes of genius, it seems. And the level of communication on the pitch was just not good. You couldn't pick up any chatter over the microphones. And that's not a good sign and not a good indicator for good team movement and good team soccer. If there was a silver lining to the game, aside from the late goal and the point, 
which could turn out to be crucial in the run-in for the top four because I'm expecting it's going to get tight. It was Ansgar Knauf. His assist and the run prior to his assist were the thing of beauty. And I'm really happy that he got his first Bundesliga minutes after already getting some playtime in the Champions League earlier this season. I really like to see some of the young guns, including Mukoko, get more time. Honestly, watching some of the more veteran players putting up stinkers, I'm all for putting in Mukoko, putting in Knauf, giving them minutes, even throwing Russell. I mean, it's worth a shot, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, that can be said about our American dream. Gio is still looking a little bit out of form, to be fair. That can be expected at his age, and he just came back from injuries, so we'll just have to be a little bit more patient. It didn't help that Dahu didn't have his best day and really struggled as the lone holding midfielder. So all the offensive players like Reyna and Brandt had to track back and you know, were caught up a little bit in that as well. So the midfield lacked impulses, there were holes to fill and everybody was a little flat-footed. That's why I am happy to see Mukuku getting minutes. He brought more energy. When he and Haaland pressed the backline and the goalie for the first time, it was a difference of day and night versus, say, Brandt and Reyna pressing. And I want to at least see the energy and the effort, even if the results aren't there. They need to play a lot better individually and as a team to get into top four. But it all starts with the effort. I think it's just about right. Yeah, speaking of the top four, that brings us right to our pregame peak because we pick up the league after the international break with a super crucial game against Eintracht Frankfurt. It's a must-win game. Frankfurt is sitting in the fourth spot, four points ahead of us, and we need to close that gap and we need to get into the top four. Now, I am perfectly happy with seeing Eintracht Frankfurt play in the Champions League next year, to be very clear, but not at our expense. In a perfect world, Frankfurt plays, we play, well, Bayern and Leipzig are probably a luck. But before we go into make-a-wish territory, we need to make sure that we are in and then care about the rest. And it's going to be a tough game. Frankfurt put on quite a show against Union and we need to be ready. We need to get that game and close the gap down to a point. After this, the boys are going to travel to Manchester for their first leg. And then we follow this with Stuttgart, then the City return leg, then Bremen, Union and Wolfsburg, who are also in the Champions League running. So we have a couple of yeah, doable games, you should think, and a couple of tough games with the City game, Frankfurt and Wolfsburg. So it'll be a very interesting April. Um, well, starting with the W in Frankfurt, hopefully, We'll probably have to take 12 to 15 points in the league from these games. That is Frankfurt, Stuttgart, Bremen, Union and then Wolfsburg. If you want to get into the top four. Considering that Bremen, Stuttgart and Union are all mid-table and not desperately fighting right now for survival, we need to take these games. I think we should have more urgency considering that those three teams are probably cruising a little bit because they don't have that much to play for. They're relatively safe. It's very unlikely that they get sucked back into the relegation battle, but they're also relatively far off, say, Champions League. I mean, don't get me wrong, they'll try, and it's always fun to beat a big name, a top team like Borussia Dortmund, but if we play up to our potential, 
I don't expect ridiculous levels of resistance, like desperation tackles in the 89th minute. Wild, reckless. He just flew into that tackle. He's mistimed it horrendously. The up and under, he's gone way over the ball. That is dangerous. If we put our foot down and take those games seriously and play to our potential, we need to take nine and nine points from these games. City is a different animal. Wolfsburg will have to see. But the league is the bread and butter and we need to finish top four. We need to get into the Champions League. And speaking of the Champions League. The top eight in Europe for the first time in four years since that Monaco game amidst the horrible bomb attack on the team bus. A narrow escape from a targeted attack on the Borussia Dortmund football team. So much confusion yesterday inside the stadium after the explosions. Now in that Sevilla game, there was a VAR moment. It was absolutely unbelievable. It's maybe the craziest VAR moment I've ever seen. It took like 10 minutes or at least six or seven to figure it all out. It was completely absurd and it defied any logic of advantage in soccer. That goal, I didn't think that was foul. You know, if we were just given the goal, we would have just done away with this. And obviously we have seen many wild VAR moments in the last couple of years, but this might really take the cake. So it did feel quite farcical. We came away with the tie that was enough to see us through and a well-deserved return to the best aid in Europe and probably the world. I mean, thinking about it, you might disagree, but... If it's okay to slap world champ on all the domestic league winners here in the US, and the Florida Marlins are world champion. I'm gonna go out on a limp and say top eight in the world. And that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? There were more good news. We had a fantastic cup draw. Holstein Kiel at home in the semi-final of the German Cup. Now Kiel is playing a really good season. They're in strong position for direct promotion. But I think their luck will run out when they face off with Borussia Dortmund in May. Um, they defeated Bayern, so you have to reckon with them. However, they did it in a snow-rain-soaked acre and the conditions in Dortmund will be much different. It's a pristine pitch, very, very unlikely to snow in May. And they also put in a rather mediocre performance against the fourth division team from Essen, uh, which saw them through to the semi-finals. So, I think the road for them stops there, which means Dortmund will go on to play the German Cup final, hopefully in Berlin at the end of the season. So definitely good news for us. Well, what do you know? This was the very first episode of Believe in Borussia. Thank you so much for tuning in and being with me. I'm delighted to have had you in our premiere session here. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something. I hope you were entertained. And if you were, then please go to Spotify, go to Apple, subscribe to the podcast, give us a good review, share it with your network. Follow us on Twitter at Believe, you know, like the Believe Podcast Network, that is B-L-E-A-V in Borussia. Please tune back in next week for more content. Until then, a black and yellow shout out across America from Believe in Borussia. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.